Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. See, a Christian is a follower of Christ, one that's submitted to the Lordship of Jesus and one that's asking the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct him and one that wants interaction with God the Father. Glory to glory means you look more like Christ. You get to look more like Christ. You get to act in more like Christ. You've crucified the old man, and it's, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. That's from glory to glory. That's that trial and error that I'm talking to you about. That's walking in the perfect will of God. Trial and error. That's how most of us live our lives. Sometimes we make the right choice, sometimes we make the wrong choice. It's God that allows us to make these choices, both in the flesh and in the spirit. In part one of this series, Pastor Eddie Mason discussed the perfect versus the permissive will of God. And as he states, we have a choice to make. Our flesh cries out and asks, what is life? But our spirit cries out and asks, who is life? In today's message, he continues to dig deeper into the permissive will of God and how it applies to our lives today. The perfect will of God versus the permissive will of God. I started this a couple of weeks ago. I want to continue into this vein. I want to give you, I'll kind of bring you back up to speed a little bit because it's been about three weeks since you've, you've heard this. But I want you to understand that God has a perfect will for your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got a perfect will for you. He's got a destiny and he's got a not only does he have a destiny for you, but he's got a plan for your life. And so it's good to know God's got a plan for you. Romans 12, 2 said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And this is where I kind of come from in understanding what is the good, the perfect, and the acceptable will of God as opposed to the permissive will of God. And what this scripture is telling us is we learn through trial and error. How many of y'all follow the Holy Spirit 100% of the time, 100% accurately? No, we don't, do we? How many of you have ever failed to do what the Holy Spirit told you to do? Woo, me too. Matter of fact, I'll tell you my worst adventure with that. My worst venture, not adventure, but worst venture, was I went to see a man who was in the hospital. He was one of my best friend's uh, father. I, I went up to Northside, went and prayed with him and talked with him and and got ready to leave. And when I left, uh, I got all the way to the parking lot. And if you've ever been to Northside, it's about five miles to the parking lot. And this old fat boy didn't want to walk five miles back. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go pray with him about salvation. I said, well, Lord, I prayed with him. He said, not about salvation. I said, I'll be back in about three days and I'll pray for him then. And I ignored what the Holy Spirit said that night he died. Now, I believe in my heart the man was saved because when I offered prayer, he, he was very acceptable to it, but I didn't do what the Holy Spirit told me to do. And I told the Holy Spirit right then, I said, I will never ignore you again. Now, I haven't kept my word. I have ignored the Holy Spirit, unfortunately. And I'm just, I'm just confessing this to you because I want you to understand it's by trial and error. Anybody that walks too high on a cloud and acts like they never mess up, you better look out for them because they're lying about something. That's where deception begins to enter in, and deception 
is not what they're, where the Lord wants us to be. So if I can remember the idea of the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, I want to walk in this idea of the perfect will of God. I want to be there. I want you to be there. But I gotta, I've got to understand that I'm not always going to get it right, and so I'm not going to walk under condemnation if I get it wrong. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the Lord to pick me up, put me back on the track. I used to explain the Holy Spirit this way. Anybody have ever played those uh, old pinball machines that had those bumpers on the side? That's the way I kind of see the Christian life is every so often I get to going down the drain and he'll take a flipper and go, bam, and send me and I'll bounce from side to side to side to side to side. And every once in a while I'll score some points. I'll get it right. I'll absolutely get the thing right. Now, maybe that's not the way you see the Holy Spirit, but for me, he is a bumper that puts me back in direction. He puts people in my life. He does different things to bring correction, and he keeps me on course. And the reason he does that is because I want him to. Let me say that again. The reason he does that is because I want him to. How many of you want the Holy Spirit to direct your lives? Amen. Sonia said, be careful to ask this question about breaking your heart. I'm going to tell you the same thing about asking the Holy Spirit to take over and take control of your life. He will absolutely do it. Now, I think it's the best life that you could ever, ever want or ever live. It is absolutely an amazing life in God. But we want to walk in his perfect will, and so we're going to learn how. As we build a history with God, we are transformed into the image of Jesus. Let me say that again. If you build a history, some people want to be transformed through the laying on of hands. Just lay hands on me and change me. Mm -mm, that isn't what it says. That's not what the Word teaches us. It's the interaction that we have with God that begins to transform who we are. And so there is no such thing as a Sunday-only Christian. If you're Sunday-only, you're probably not a Christian. See, a Christian is a follower of Christ, one that's submitted to the lordship of Jesus, and one that's asking the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct him, and one that wants interaction with God the Father. And most of the time when we don't want to have interaction with God the Father, it's because we're doing something wrong. We are doing something to please the flesh, and we just don't want God involved in what we're doing. And so we want to build this history with God that brings transformation. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got the Spirit of the Lord. I am free. The Bible says, Whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. Where am I free? Right here. Right here. The outward condition really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. It's what's going on in my head. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord. Can I tell you, if you're not going into the presence of God, you can't behold his face. You can't behold his face without going into his presence. Do you see what that scripture is telling you? He's telling you, he said, we can go in. And we all being with unveiled hush, beholding to the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Glory to glory. Glory to glory. Some people translate that from experience to experience. That's not what that is. Glory to glory means you look more like Christ. You get to look more like Christ. You get to act 
acting more like Christ. You've crucified the old man, and it's, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. That's from glory to glory. That's that trial and error that I'm talking to you about. That's walking in the perfect will of God. That's saying that I, every time I go into his presence, there's transformation takes place in my life because there's some things that get exposed. How many of you know that when you go before the presence of the Lord, he will expose the evil that's within you? Well, I'm not evil. Anything that's outside of God is evil. And if you're telling me you're fully God, then you've messed up anyway. And so when God begins to expose the evil, he begins to expose the wickedness that we have in our heart, and then he begins to deal with us. Now, when I first got saved, I would watch Billy Graham. And I got to where I got so mad, anytime my, my cousin would turn Billy Graham on, I'd just leave the room. Why? Because I had to get resaved all over again. I just start bawling and crying and saying, man, I am the worst man that has ever lived, and God, you, you, you're going to hate my guts, and on and on and on, until finally I understood what Romans said, there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And what I was doing was I was allowing the enemy to beat me up on something that God had set me free from. On an idea that God said, now I'm walking in freedom and liberty. And so when he reveals the evil or the wickedness that's in my heart, he's not doing it to beat me down. He's doing it to set me free. Come on. God is so good. And the evil and the wickedness doesn't do anything but bring death in my life. Am I making any sense to you? So I want to be in his image. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. He didn't say for everybody, did he? He said, for those who love God. Anybody here love God? Amen. Come on, give him a shout of praise. For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, walking in the perfect will of God. He didn't say you love God and get to walk it out the way you want to walk it out. He said you're walking out the purpose and the plan of God. Now, who's going to give you that purpose and plan? Not the preacher. See, if you've got a man telling you what to do, all he's done is created a brand new religion for you. He's not created a relationship with you and the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He is going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He's the one that's going to transform your life. He's the one that's going to cause you to walk in the perfect will of God. He's the one that's going to cause you to fulfill your destiny. Not a man or woman standing in the pulpit, but Almighty God himself living inside of you. My job is to always point you to Jesus. My job is always to develop with you this idea that the Holy Ghost is abiding in you and that Holy Ghost gets to take charge inside of you and you get to shout hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So he says, for those that love God, for those whom he foreknew, he also did predestined. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've been predestined. What have I been predestined to? To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. How many of you want to walk in glory? Glory comes out of presence. Presence comes out of me setting aside myself and coming to see him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
I'm telling you, this, this idea that you can come sit in church on Sunday and be transformed and fulfill the perfect will of God, am I going to hell? You missed it. It's not about going to heaven. It's not about going to hell. It's about a relationship with God. This is eternal life to know God. Why do you want to wait till you die? Eternal life began, had a beginning for you. Well, it really didn't, but the place we identify as the beginning is the day we got saved. And so at the day we got saved, we had this great revelation of who God was. Whether he was the one that was going to save you from hell fire, whether he was the one that was going to set you free from whatever was going on in your life, it didn't make any difference. All of a sudden, God revealed himself. You got convicted. You submitted yourself to him, and he called you into salvation. And out of salvation now begins the work of transformation and to fulfill the predestined will of God for your life. Now, if you're, if you're a Calvinist, you believe it's going to happen no matter what you do or what you say. Let me just, for the record, I am not a Calvinist. I was raised in the Presbyterian Calvinist doctrine, but I am not a Calvinist. And in a minute, I'll explain why. He wants you to walk in glory. What does it mean to walk in glory? It means you are a walking representation of Jesus Christ. And when people see you, they see Jesus. When people experience your presence, they experience the presence of Jesus. When people see you, they understand the power of Jesus. When people see you, they understand the love of Jesus. When people see you, they understand the forgiveness of Jesus. Now, how are you going to do that through your judgmental, condemning do you, am I getting my point across to you? Do you understand what I'm saying here? All right, so we've been called into this. Okay, and so the reason I'm not a Calvinist comes down to this next question. The other side of the kingdom reality is God's permissive will. Choice is the cornerstone of God's permissive will. If Calvinism and predestination were right, we don't have a choice. But God gives me a choice as to whether I walk in the fulfillment of my destiny or whether I don't walk in the fulfillment of my destiny. That's the control that I have. Adam and Eve had that power in the garden to choose whether or not they submitted themselves to God or whether they delighted in their own flesh and surrendered to Satan. We still have that same choice. That choice has never changed. We get to choose. And so because I get to choose, that means I may or I may not fulfill my destiny. But it's not because God's withholding. It's my choice whether I want to submit to God or not. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, the plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God says that to you and you and you and you and you and you and me. He says that to us. He says, I have a plan. But you don't have to follow my plan. See, we think we're going to get blessed no matter what. You need to go back and read the book. Blessings flow out of submission and I'm going to tell you about the sovereign God. The sovereign God said there's a beginning to this world and there's an end to this world. And there are many things that are going to happen in between. And you, it is written in the book, that's what's going to trans, transpire. 
Whether you play your part in that or not is up to you. See, this idea that we don't have to take responsibility for our life anymore, that's garbage. I mean, y'all got an awful quiet on me. You, you didn't realize you were responsible for the choices that you've been making? We, we make them so freely and so easily, and we've bought into this, this idea that God's just kind of closing his eyes to our, to our uh, insensitivity to his will. And so we've been called into this place. He said, I know the plans I have before you. But Deuteronomy 30, 15, he said, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. I've set it before you. And then he says, let me give you a hint, choose life. Who is life? Not what is life, because that's the question that flesh asks. The question really comes down to who is life? Jesus Christ is life. He's saying, choose the path of Jesus. Choose Jesus first, and then choose the path of Jesus. Am I making sense to you? I can't tell. Like you're, you're kind of staring at me, and I'm not sure I got you where I need for you to be. And so it comes down to choice. The choice is very simple. Do I want to follow my flesh, or do I want to follow the Holy Spirit? And everybody, I want to follow the Holy Spirit. Liar. Because what the Holy Spirit asks you to do isn't always comfortable. God is into this stretching business. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be stretched. Right this minute, we're in a place of being stretched. Herman came Friday night, and he said, man, i got to make a joke. He said, God hadn't let the pressure off of me all week long. It's been heavy, 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 heavy. And he said, i got to make a joke because God's stretching me. During this season of our life with COVID-19 and with the protests that are going on, you're being stretched. It's not comfortable, but it is glorious. Oh, you didn't think it was glorious. You, be, you haven't been waking up in the morning saying, thank you, Jesus, that I live in this time. No, we haven't. You know why? Because we've been going back to where the flesh stands and not where God stands. And God said, in all things, what? What do you say, David? Here he did. Give him praise. Rejoice. Woo! The problem we have is that our old nature keeps creeping up, and we'd rather live out of that old nature than live out of our new nature. Why? Because we're comfortable with it. We are comfortable with those things. We, we like those things. It's amazing to me what people put up with because they're comfortable. They don't like things to change. They don't like things to be new. But God said you're brand new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And when we first get saved, we're really excited about that. But when the pressure comes, we default back to that other place, don't we? Why? Because we know how to handle it. We know how to get what we want. I shared this with you last time. You know how to get what you want. If God doesn't give you the money to buy that new car, well, by golly, I know a finance man that will. Uh-oh. I done gone to meddling. But I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. When's the last time the Holy Spirit told you to borrow money? And I owe people money, okay, so no condemnation, trial and error. All I'm trying to point out to you is this. We walk in a comfort zone, not in a spirit zone. 
And then we wonder when we come on you know, Sunday why there's no power affecting in our lives. We're not being transformed into Christ. We're letting the old man dictate. And because we're letting the old man dictate, when it comes time for God to perform, we expect this performance out of God. Aren't you glad you came this morning? God's not going to perform for you. In Living Waters, we talk about a true and a false self. There's a true and a false self. And the true and the false self is whether I choose to believe that I'm a regenerated man or I'm still an old man. And if I choose to believe I'm still an old man, I am walking in a false nature. Let me tell you that one more time. If I choose to walk according to the flesh, I am choosing to walk in accordance with a dead man. And the Bible says that a dead man, there's a stench that comes on him, and the stench of the flesh is poured out on me when I choose to follow the dead man rather than believe I'm a regenerated man. See, as a regenerated man, I may fall down in a ditch. But if I believe the false, if I believe the lie, I believe I live in the ditch. I had a cousin. We lived in a house together. I was going to Clemson at the time, and, and uh, rather than staying on campus, I lived with him, and I would drive from Greenville down to, or from Simpsonville down to college every day, and we had a good time. And I came home one time, and I opened the door to that little two-bedroom house, and it smelled. I mean, it smelled. And if you've ever been around a dairy, and you've been in the holding pen where the cows are before they cleaned it, it, you know the smell of that will just about knock you down. And when I opened the door, it smelled like cow manure. And I walked around, I looked in the bathtub, and there was cow manure in the bathtub. There was cow manure on the thing. And I called Buddy up. I said, Buddy, what happened? He said, I was cleaning up a lot today, and I fell in the manure spreader. Oh, my God. I went outside, and he had washed his clothes. He came home. Sue finally came up and cleaned the house for us so that it didn't stink so bad. But I'm telling you that he fell into the manure. But guess what? He didn't stay in the manure bin. He didn't say, this is my new hangout. This is where I want to be. He came home and immediately he took a bath and changed his clothes and he put on new clothes. What I'm telling you is when you fall into the dead man's manure, you need to get up, go to Christ, wash yourself, cleanse yourself, and put on the new man. See, that's the perfect will of God. That's the perfect will of God. He doesn't want me living in a manure bin. Them things stink. Excuse me, I know that's not proper English. My grandmother would have a fit. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I'm in Christ. Are you in Christ? I'm a new creation. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a new creation. Now believe it. Believe that you're a new creation. How do I receive that? By faith. But I still have some of the same thoughts. Well, then put them to death. Take them to the cross. And if they keep coming and you fall in the manure, get up, clean up, put up, and shut up and go on. Amen? Walk around like I'm, I'm, I'm formed out of, out of manure, like I'm the old man. 
When we allow ourselves to be, live up, over, be ruled by our passions, we are empowering a dead man. The false man lives out of his hurts, his woundedness, his lusts, his desires, and his emotions. Let me say that again. The dead man, the false man, the old man lives out of his hurt, his woundedness, his lust, his desires, and his emotions. That's the old man. That's that stinking, rotting corpse. And when I decide to let those things rule my life, I am living out of a, out of a manure bin. And it stinks. And God says, that's your choice. Over here, there are blessings, freedom, joy. There's life beyond measure. But if you want to live over there, yeah, but... But over here, the devil tells me how good it feels. And my flesh, oh gosh, for that few seconds, my flesh is in heaven. Over here, my spirit feels good, but my flesh, it doesn't like all this stuff. Let me go back here where I'm comfortable living in a pile of crap. You see, I get to choose. I can stay in my lust. I can stay in my desires. I can stay in my comfort zone. I can stay in my hurt. I can stay in my woundedness. I can stay in my unforgiveness. I can stay in all of that manure. Or I can choose to bring that stuff to the cross and put it into Jesus Christ where he died to take every bit of that from me. And I'll carry it to him until I have fully given it to him and it's no longer mine. All that dead man, all that stuff was crucified on the cross and that's where it belongs. And so when I go make that deposit, I go make that deposit, I don't want to pick it back up. I do sometimes. Now, I'm not lying to you. I'm not trying to give you a holier-than-thou attitude. But what I want you to do is I want you to realize is that's not who you are. That's not where you were destined to live. That's not where the blessings of God flow. That's not where we are predestined to be. We've been predestined to walk in the Spirit, to live like Christ in the earth, to walk in that place. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Paul is not making a suggestion here, is he? How many of you believe this is the inspired Word of God? You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. This is the trap, especially for religious people. I think it, therefore God thinks exactly like I do. Can I tell you how much of the church believes that? If I think that way, I know that's the way God thinks. Wrong. If you think it, it's probably wrong to start off with because we're living out of the futility of our ability to understand what's going on in the entire world. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in men due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. 
assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. You can take God's word for it. You were regenerated, created as a brand new creation, not to continue to function like you were, but to to function like Jesus Christ with all power, all authority, and all the rights of heaven. Wow. But I choose. Well, the woman made me do it. That woman made me do it. You'll have to ask Keith about his revelation on the woman making me do it. Those honey buns, I just can't resist them. Romans 6, 11, likewise, reckon, you, reckon, yourselves, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I took this out of King James because I like that word reckon. I talked a little bit about that a couple of weeks ago, reckon. That's not something that we're, we're used to using as, as, as a reckon. I reckon I'll do it. That's not what that means. Paul didn't tell us to feel like we were dead. He didn't say, he said, you're going to feel like you're dead to sin. Sin is no longer going to have a temptation over you. To say that would be to deny the Scriptures. When Satan came, if those had not been real temptations to Christ, it would have been, it would have been a falsehood perpetrated upon the church. When he offered him bread... Jesus was hungry. When he offered him rulership, he knew he was destined to rule. When he offered him miracles, he knew that miracles would be performed. But he wasn't going to do it at the behest of the enemy. He was going to do it out of the power of the Holy Spirit because God had put him here for that purpose. So temptation is real. Choice is where we come to. We have to reckon ourselves dead to that. But the flesh screams and cries, honey buns, heated, butter dripping over the side, and the sweetness when it touches your lips. Yeah, that's the same argument Satan got Eve with. And you do understand I'm using honey buns as a reference to fleshly desires. It looks good. It smells good. It even tastes good. But Eddie, it's killing you. Well, I'll die happy. No, you won't. Reckoning is a matter of faith and it requires action. It requires you to do something. Reckoning is not not claiming a promise, but acting on a fact. This is a fact, Jack. I am a new creation. The old man is dead. That's factually factual. Every time I dig him up, that's fantasy. You know, in this day and time, when he asked Ezekiel, can these bones walk? The church today would have to say, yeah, we resurrect them bones all the time. And they tell us what to do. Can you believe you're taking orders from a dead man? Well, no, that's not really the way it is. Then you don't have faith. What? My faith says I'm dead. The grave is still holding sway over me, but I am refusing to partake of the lies that the enemy is using that dead man for to control my life. 
All I'm doing is trying to give you something to think about. Aren't you glad this is done by trial and error? I started it that way for a reason. I have no expectation that you're going to completely live this out today. But I at least want you to know about it because then you become accountable for what you know. If we're dead to sin, why do we keep chasing after the flesh and continuing sinning? Because we act on the lie rather than the truth. The lie says, man, it'll make me feel good. The truth said it'll kill you. You see, it's about life and death. It's not about right and wrong. I choose death and the stench of death. Let me read one more scripture to you so that you know this is not impossible because people leave here saying this is impossible. Yeah, right. That's why God told us to do it, because he told us to do things that were impossible. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Anybody in here saved? How did you get saved? How did you become a new man? Then why don't you believe you're a new creation? Why do you still believe the old man's living? Well, because I act like the old man. That's your choice. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared before that we should walk in them. I have been empowered by grace, but that grace comes through faith. And God said, not only am I going to give you grace to do it, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to abide inside of you. You want to know why you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because what I've been talking about to you might as well have been in Latin if the Holy spirit isn't abiding in you, if you haven't been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're not walking in the power of his presence, this is fiction. You see, I get to be the new man because the Holy Ghost, God has deposited himself in me. Ah, come on. Come on. I can do it because of what God has done for me. I want to read you one more scripture and then I really will close maybe. For this reason, he says to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame, not flam into fame, but fan into flame, the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, I'm just going to offer you something up here because he's not specific about the gift. I've always read that and thought he meant the gift of preaching. He meant the gift of, of leading. He meant the gift of this. What if the gift that he was talking about was the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Could it have been? Paul laid hands on a lot of people and baptized them in the Holy Spirit, didn't he? And when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he says, you've kind of gotten away from that. Stir up what was the gift. Stir up the Holy Spirit that's within you that you can walk out the truth and you don't have to live in the lie. He says, let that faith arise in you. You know what's interesting about faith? Is when you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work, faith begins to increase. When you get into his presence and you begin to talk with him, you're, listen, your faith begins to go on the increase. It doesn't decrease when you talk to God. It goes up. The power then to hear truth. This is what Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the truth. And God said, I want you to walk in the truth. Jesus said, I'm a new creation. Jesus said, I have a perfect will for you. Jesus said, I have a destiny for you that's beyond your imagination. It would stagger you if you knew the fullness of all that I have for you. But you get to choose which door you go through. 
Is it door number one, created by the lies of the enemy and the false self, or is it door number two, put there by the Holy Spirit, given to the regenerated man filled with the Holy Ghost of God? What do you choose? You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.